Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Sean Power podcast. Uh, thanks a million for everyone who joined in and who uh, sent me messages about the last few podcasts. Really appreciate it. Um, this week, I have a professional MMA fighter on. Um, some of you will know him, especially if you're from Galway. Um, his name is Andreas Binder, and um, he's going to give us a little intro now. So how are you keeping, Andreas? How are you keeping, Sean? Uh, I'm great. I'm very good, thank you. So for, for people around Galway, uh, I'm pretty sure everyone knows me around, and not just Galway, but Ireland, the UK scene with MMA. My name is Andreas Binder. I'm 24 years of age. I, I train under Shaolin MMA in, in Galway City. I, I have a professional record of three wins and zero losses. And I signed professional just over two years now. Cool. And my background is judo and boxing. So, yeah. And um, how did you, well, first of all, when did you arrive in Ireland? Because <laughs> you're, you're not Irish, uh, like Binder, it's not a, an Irish no. name. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I came over to Ireland, I think, when I was seven or eight. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I was seven or eight. I came over from Romania. I'm originally from Romania. So I've been in Gaul my whole life, really. So I could say this is my home, you know. Uh, as I always say in my bios, I'm like born in Romania, but forged in Ireland, I should say. <laughs> yeah, and when you're fighting as well, you always have the two flags. Yeah, all, <laughs> always all, all the time. Both. Even yeah. right now, you're wearing an Ireland jersey, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and did you find it hard moving over? Like, was there a bit of a language barrier there? Was it a culture shock? How did you find it? Language barrier wasn't as bad because you see, I was I was doing um, I went to an English school back in Romania, so I was studying English. Uh, but it wasn't like you know I kind of knew the basics, like say window door, hello, you know, just kind of like keeping a small conversation. But being a kid, you pick up the the language fast. So I I was literally nearly fluent by after like six seven months. So I was fine in that department. But the only thing culture wise. Everything was pretty much the same as back home. And yet again, I was still very young. So I didn't, do you know what I mean? I didn't, I, I, not that I missed a lot on. Uh, it's just the weather, really. Um, that's the only thing I missed from back home. Because it's just like from 40 degrees down to like 17 and all is raining. That's the only thing that's different. But you, that, you know. You get worse winters as well over there, don't you? You get lots yeah, of snow in the winter. Nearly nearly three four five foot snow like it's 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 nice though like you know you miss that vibe kind of like you actually you know, have seasons no. <laughs> you actually have four seasons yeah. in the year like yeah at least one day one day yeah exactly <laughs> and then so you moved over and you were what seven years old and it's were big, you yeah. were you um were you doing any martial arts when you were in romania or did you start when you got to ireland i only got really like you see like all my uncles and like my dad and all and they're all into the boxing and the judo so um and my dad was very high level with the shotokan karate so i kind of i always looked into that i was oh i want to be a fighter growing up and all that but uh i only i only started judo when i came to ireland because of my brother really my brother was all the judo head in the family so i was oh i want to i think it's cool i'm gonna try it i ended up falling over it and then from that, I was like, okay, so my, my ground game is, sorry, my glitch work is good. This is good. 
let's try and mix it up now. So then I was like, oh, let's go to the boxing route because of my uncle and my dad. Like, so I was like, all right. And then after that, I remember I watched, uh, I think I watched the UFC for the first time then, like cage fight. And I was like, oh, my mom was always against it, really. Like, she was like, oh, that's very brutal. Like, it's, it's this, that, and the other. And I was like, well, look, look how cool it is because they're mixing everything up. Like, and yeah, I just started up MMA then, literally nine, 10 years later. Like, so it was great. And was, was Shaolin the first MMA club that you joined? Yeah, so it, it was a bit of a funny story the way I started MMA, really. It was, um, so I was training under Athenry Jura Club uh, down, down Golo, like, and I, so I was doing Jura, and I seen there was this novice MMA event over in uh, Shaolin, and I was like, here, I might just enter the club, I might just enter the competition under Team Athenry as a Jura Club. No one knew me back then and all that and everything. So I was like, oh, I'm going to do it. So I ended up joining the division and I won like 30 seconds armbar and then like another 50 seconds armbar, two finishes. And then Ben, ben was like, wow, do, do you want to join our club and like do this and that and the other? So the rest, like, you know what I mean? I took those two novice fights and then I was on the run then for like, I think it was like five amateur fights in a row. Got my first. got my first when I was uh, three I think I was three and oh as an amateur and I had two novice fights so I was literally five fights win streak and I got my first title fight then and I was just the best feeling ever really just it's just superb like getting that because I always want to like get a belt seeing my uncles and all them like winning belts and then just just the first belt is all it means the most to me like you know and that, that was MMA, wasn't it? Because I know you, you transitioned into kickboxing for a while as well. Yeah, yeah. So, I, yeah, I've, I've been doing, like, when I was at the amateur scene, I was fighting really nearly twice, three times a month because I just wanted to keep, stay as busy as I can. So I was doing K1. And in K1, I was 9-1 and one, uh, record. And then MMA, I think I was, like, 10-5 and five or something. But I fought, like, you know what I mean? I fought nearly twice three times every month just to stay busy and kind of build that exposure and kind of like uh experience with the best guys out there and it was paying off for me you know yeah just building that time in the trenches because your your amateur career it's yeah obviously it's it's important like but it's it's really just gaining an experience so you can turn pro yeah yeah exactly like and like i see a lot of people turning pro when they're like say four or five and all as an amateur you might think you're ready but like you need at least one or two losses just to kind of see what did I, you know, what did I mess up in, uh, in my amateur? What can I improve on this, that, and the other? And I'm actually glad I lost a good few fights, but like not that I've lost that they were better. It's just, I was doing the mistakes that I wouldn't be doing now. Do you know what I mean? So I'm just kind of building up to that five minutes instead of three minute rounds. It's just a big, big jump. It is a huge, huge jump. Yeah. Like you think, oh, three minutes is not too long. It's it's a long time. <laughs> I've, I've trained with you. 30 seconds is a long time when you're training yeah. with Andreas. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you know, the wrestling drains you. Do you know what I mean? And like even leading up like to my last few amateur fights, we were always training. Like there was not really a time limit. We were doing like eight, nine minute rounds of just hard jits and hard wrestling. Like, do you know what I mean? Because it can be sparring very hard when you're coming up to fights because you're just injury prone then, you know, but uh, that just builds you up so much for your pro rankings then as you're hitting them. 
Definitely. And how, how did you find the transition from amateur to pro? Was it very natural or was it, okay, this is a different level now? Um, I think it was fine, really, because I was training as a pro level. Do you know what I mean? Like, so the guys I was training with then, like, I was always kind of traveling as well to get, like, very good sparring rounds. And just, like, you know, the, the standard of amateur fighters in Ireland is very high even for amateurs and that's why there's so many good good talents in ireland leading up to the pro ranks and that's what they're doing so well and we're doing so well as a small nation inside big promotions you know so uh, i i it was it was fine it's just like the elbows and the knees trying to kind of learn the basics not the basics but throw them right do you know what i mean because obviously you are not allowed the 12 to 6 elbow or like back at the spot and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? It's just kind of getting them into your head. That was kind of the hard part. But they all just fall naturally then, like with experience, I suppose. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of different promotions have different rules sometimes, you know, like yeah. obviously novice. Sometimes like you're not allowed to strike on the ground or um, like throw elbows or knees or whatever. Um, yeah. At the pro ranks, is are the rules basically all the same across the board or is there different divisions in the pros that have like okay and this one you're allowed to do elbows or whatever this one you're not or is it mma has a standard rule like say the ones that the ufc follow or something you see mma has a standard rule it's pretty much basic like you're not allowed to hit a grounded opponent uh with a knee uh into the head or kick him into the head really like uh the only the only promotion that has like say pretty much football kicks to the head is reason a fine championships you know but on like pride rules, but like the UFC, Brave, Bellator, every every promotion in the world, they have like if you cannot kick a ground opponent, you can't hit him at the back of the spine. Um, what else really? There's no twelve to six elbows and no grind guards, obviously no grind shots and biting. Do you know what I mean? But it's just a set standard for everyone really, and just the amateur, the gloves are bigger, and you're not allowed elbows and knees to the head. And same again, same applies, no kicks to the head while they're on the ground. On that, it's the same. So it's just your gum shield, your your groin guard, and is it four ounce gloves or six ounce? They're six ounce gloves for amateur. Or six or eight, I can't really remember. Uh yeah, I think it's eight ounce or six ounce. And then there's four ounce gloves for pros. So there's not much padding on them. Which is nothing. Like if you do boxing, it's like what 12, 16 ounce. It's like pros uh, sometimes. <laughs> there's 12 ounces for pros, and then I think it's like 16 ounces for sparring or 18, and then probably 12, 12 ounces or 14 ounces for fights, like which is not a lot at all. Like it's not a lot no. of protection. <laughs> no. Um, and that leads in, I suppose, to injuries. Like um, I know you've you've had some injuries in your time, but you've you've been fairly okay with injuries. But have you had any any ones that worried you or or stop um, training for a while? I'll say the, the worst injury I've ever got in the MMA is when I popped my knee. Uh, I remember it was, um, I was in a wrestling wrestling exchange and I was kind of like hitting my peak. The la- I think it was the week or just under two weeks before my fight on Clan Wars. And um, I was sparring Tyg and it was just a stupid mistake I've done on my behalf. I went in for a trip or whatever or a stupid takedown and it just literally, my knee stood up while I just went for the takedown and I just dislocated my knee really. And I was gone for like about, geez, I think it was like six months out 
and then about another four or five months on rehab trying to build the power build the confidence really like as i was more scared than anything oh what if it pops again or what if this or that but i know literally i had to take that year out really just kind of like focusing on building the muscle back and uh, kind of getting that confidence back again and trying to lose the weight because obviously i was all doing was upper body i couldn't like do any cardio or anything so it was just more mentally draining than anything else but uh, I recovered very well from it. I was lucky enough, like the doctors told me, I didn't require any surgery because they said I had very strong quads. Uh, like I had very strong lower lower body and that helped me big time. So it was only like pulled, ten, uh, pulled the ligaments and nothing was torn. So I was very happy that way, should I say. But um, you learn even when you're off, you know, if you're injured, you, you're constantly learning, you know. Yeah. You're constantly watching videos and you'd even turn up to training sometimes and just yeah. coach people or, or watch people. Um, like that's, that's you in a nutshell, like you're injured, but you're, you're still turning up to training. Like yeah. you have to like, you know, like I learned more from physically looking at someone doing the technique instead of, Oh, let me just look at the book or let me look on YouTube or something. I don't learn as much. I'm more kind of like, I have to be there and see it on my own. Then do you know what I mean? I'm just that visual. I, I see it like that. Yeah. Big time. Like you can read, you can read all you want about how to do an arm bar, but like if you've never been arm barred or, yeah. or given an arm bar, then you'll probably never learn it. You have to yeah. get, in and get stuck in. There's no two ways about it really with that. Is there, um, like I remember actually my first, I was thinking when when uh, I asked to be on the podcast and you said yes and all, I was thinking, when was the first time I, I met you? And um, I think it was my first MMA class. Um, I'd done a few jiu-jitsu classes, like four or five, but then I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not working this evening. I go try out uh, MMA. And yeah. I think it was actually Ollie who took the class and we were doing some wrestling drills. I, I didn't know how to do a takedown, but I got, I got grouped with you anyway. <laughs> yeah and you went first you took me down i was like oh god this is great bang again bang again no you just kept getting taken down and i was like yeah. oh, just teach me how to do a takedown like, yeah sure like because i was actually like i was scared going in like you see fellas mm -hmm. and they're fucking you know taking each other down and next thing fucking ripping arms off and everything and i was just like will you uh my voice probably broke and all. I was like, uh, like I'm six years older than you. And I'm like, uh, will you help me with a takedown? And you yeah. couldn't have been nicer. And after that, then it was like sound. I was just hooked on MMA then after that. Like, but do you um, know what the thing is like, it's a lot from, for every beginner. Like, do you know what I mean? Like I learned how to strike because I was, do you know what I mean? I was all into a judo background. So it was all wrestling, wrestling, takedowns, this, that, and the other. I didn't even know how to throw a punch until I went to the boxing. But that's, that's the thing I am. Like, if I gain something, I'd like to give it back. Do you know what I mean? Like, so if I'm learning from someone, I'll try and teach it to the next person and so on and so on. Because the MMA community is small in Ireland. Do you know what I mean? So you're trying to build everyone. Everyone's trying to build each other up. Do you know what I mean? So, um, you know, I, that's what I'm trying to help as much as I can. That's why I'm right now. I'm still coaching kids, giving them something back and make them elite athletes hopefully when they get older and everything. So it's, it's a win-win really for everyone. Big time. Yeah. Like, and it's, it can be daunting going in on your first class or, or your first few classes, or if you're paired with somebody who's like, Oh, Andreas is the, he's the professional now. Um, yeah. but like, I'd actually prefer to be paired with you doing the technique than 
somebody like who might be a bit reckless or something like that. Yeah. Like whenever we used to do the, do you know, the shark tank, you yeah. really know it well. And you, so um, do you want to explain? Cause I, I can't really remember you go in. So the shark tank is like, say it's on for five minutes, for example. So someone stays in for five minutes up against the wall or it could be striking or whatever. And then there's a fresh body coming in every single time. Uh, but at this stage, like you're like you have to imagine the person that's up against the cage or the one that's constantly getting taken down, you're drained. So there's a fresh body coming in, trying to pretty much take your head off. And you're just trying to survive. It's a survival kind of like to build your your confidence. And then you're trying to build your your kind of like not to give up that kind of fight in you. Like, do you know what I mean? Because you're you're fighting yourself really not to mentally break you. Um so it's just more draining than everything. Like if you get taken down, there's someone else popping in again and again, thinking when oh it's over now. It's not over until you hear that bell ring, you know. So then it's you get that fight kind of IQ going into the fight itself, you know. And I, I remember doing that at one of the one of my first MMA classes. Like you were you were in the shark tank and we were all just yeah. lining up. There's maybe seven or eight of us, whatever, going in every thirty seconds or whatever. And whenever my <laughs> my turn came. You just went, boom, judo throw. And I was like, keeps getting me with that. Yeah, <laughs> every yeah. single time it was just throw, throw, throw. But every time I landed, I was grand. Like I didn't get injured or anything because you you knew the techniques. You were a black belt, second yeah. man. And it's like, yet again experience, you know, like, like that's why there's all these injuries with beginners because they they tend to like stiffen up so hard or they try to commit to something so hard. But yet again, when you have the experience, you're kind of like you're flowing into the technique and everything because you know what you're doing. So that's why you, you kind of have to look over these beginners and try and help them and accommodate them and build your confidence up to get better, like, you know. And what, what, would be, what would be one bit of advice that you would give to somebody who's either thinking about starting or maybe who's a few months into their, their MMA journey? Um, what can I say? Like just keep keeping your head down and keep learning every single day. Like, do you know what I mean? You could have like really bad days and you're just, you're not in the mood to be there or like, you don't feel like you're improving or everything, but the more hours you spend on the mats, the more hours you spend in the ring, like the better you're going to get. And the most important one is building your confidence. If you have confidence, you can overcome anything really. Um, so yeah, just keeping your head down and keep like, have a goal. What's your goal? What do you want to end uh, in like three, four months? Wh where do you want to be? Do you want to have your first novice fight? Do you want to have your first amateur fight? Do you want, do you, do you want to go? Do you know what I mean? You have to set goals. Uh, they can be short-term or long-term, but like you have to set something there so you know what you're aiming for. Because no point just training, training, training. You need an end goal. Do you want to just stay fit? Do you want to build your confidence? Do you want to do for self-defense? You have to have that end goal, you know? Yeah, definitely. Keeping that that end goal or that why in mind definitely helps in in yeah. anything, I suppose, as well. Like in life yeah. as well. Um, and then how going in? Just want to chat about like your training, maybe like in in season, we'll say like like in fight camp, and then outside of it, and how it how it differs. Like you just came off um, a win. Was that last weekend? Two weeks. Uh, yeah, two weeks last ago. Um, so like. What was your, your training like for that? Was it an eight-week, ten-week camp? or? Uh, well, usually it's, it's about... <laughs> Two-year camp. <laughs> but for me, it was literally, Jesus, 
Uh, no, for this fight alone, it was only eight week camp because I just fought on the Clam Wars card, and that was a first round finish. So I went straight back into camping again, and so I had two fights back to back. But before that, I was in camp for Jesus for maybe six and a half months. I think it was 33 weeks or 34 weeks because just fights getting cancelled on me, opponents pulling out, uh, shows getting cancelled because of COVID and everything. So it was just kind of like, it was more kind of mental strength trying to keep going instead. Do you know what I mean? I didn't want to slack and then just put on weight again. And, you know, it's very hard. Like it's, you're constantly fluctuating weight going up and down. So just maintaining it. And then I was just ready to step in. Uh, but yeah, usually camps, they last about eight to 10 week camp, sometimes 12 weeks. And it's just intense training, really. Like you're trying to improve, but you're also trying to cut weight, depending what weight you're fighting at. Um, I usually cut maybe six to seven kilos max for a fight within those 12 weeks. So it's not a lot of cutting, you know. But um, yeah, you're training literally two, three times a day, every day. And then you have your one rest day, maybe the Friday that I do, and then the hard sparring session then on the Saturdays, and then Sundays I'm coaching. So I'm, you know, I'm just get busy. So, and then when I'm not in training camp, I'll train maybe, I'm still training hard, but I'm not as strict on the diet part. You know, I'm still training two, three times a day, but I'm still not, like I'm eating some foods that I enjoy instead of, oh, you're not allowed chocolate, you're not allowed this, do you know what I mean? Like you need to live your life a little bit. Yeah. Definitely. So, like, how do you split up your training then? If you're training two or three times a day, um, and how do you split it up with work as well? Like, do you do like your cardio in the morning and then you've like lunchtime class and then evening class or something like that? Or so the the way the way I train, right? I'm very I'm very lucky because I'm working in Aldi, not in Cara. So before I even started this job three years ago, I told my manager in the interview, I'll say, look. I'm a professional MMA fighter. Um, you know, I'm training a lot. I'm coaching as well and everything. And they were very understandable. So I'm doing a lot of mornings. So I start like at five in the morning and I finish at two. So I do that three or four, four times a week. Um, so I'm getting my hours in. But the good thing about it, you know your roster like four weeks in advance. So I can plan my sessions then. So like every day after work, I do my my strength training I do two times a week I do my conditioning training two times a week as well and then I get my um say it'll be like say wrestling on the Monday I have my wall work jiu-jitsu then on the on the Tuesday then I have my judo on the Wednesday my keep up do you know what I mean so everything is just kind of scheduled and it just falls into place so then I'll do my evening sessions then as well uh, at seven o'clock and then the last session then again at nine so I'm getting my three sessions in there, like, you know. Cool. Nice one. Yeah. So it's, it's a godsend that you know your, your roster for work a few weeks ahead. Yeah. Yeah. It's just perfect. Perfect for me. And they're very understandable as well. I tell them like, look, I'm sparring this Saturday or I have to be up in Dublin to train this week or this. And they'll be like, no problem. They accommodate me very well in that department, you know? So it's just, but yet again, if they're like, oh, look, I need you to cover one shift. Can you do that? Do you know what I mean? It's nice to be nice kind of way. So they, I, I help them. They help me. So that's just perfect for me and them. And what do they think of you? Like, do, do they get it that you like to go into a cage in your underpants and beat up people? Or, <laughs> or what do they think? Well, at the start, they were kind of like, you know, they were like, oh, sure. Like, what if you get injured or this, that and the other? 
And then I was like, look, I have a fight coming up in this amount of time. I can't remember when it was. And I was like, right, I'm fine this time and this time. Have a look and see what you think. And they're like, oh, Jesus, you're very good at it and all that. So then now they're just so supportive of it. Like, do you know what I mean? All the lads, even in work, they're like in pay-per-views. Uh, they're like trying to come up to fights. They're like supporting me, messaging me. Like, and just not just them, but like friends and family. They've been very supportive since day one. Like, do you know? Amazing. Um, because sometimes like people just don't, they just don't get it. Like, but I suppose that's, that's with every sport, but it's just your one yeah getting punched or be, or punching people in the face as well. Like, it's not like, yeah. like, like the hurling final where when this is recorded, it was on today. It's like some people like watching the hurling, some people don't, but like, you can get it. It's, it's a game. Do you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know you obviously like, can get hurt in that as well. Like, but yet again, you can get hurt in every single sport. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I think MMA is quite safe because that's why you have your rule set. That's why you have your referees. That's why you're, you're training months before you step into the cage. So it's, you can, you can, you can literally walk down the street and hurt yourself. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, it's just, if you're putting in the work, someone has to win regardless. Like, so you're going to have a winner and a loser, but it is what it is. It's sport. And um, what about, um, what about your recovery? Because I know you, um, you try, well, like you train, however many sessions a week, how do you manage your recovery, your sleep, um, hydration, like diet, all that side of things? Cause that's obviously huge as well. So with, with, um, hydration wise, I'm like, I'm drinking four liters of water every single time. I have all my supplements as well. Like I'll take my multivitamins, I'll take my electrolytes because your, your body needs all these kind of like good foods, good nutrition in your body to recover well and then I'm, I'm lucky enough i have my sponsor salt for recovery and back emotion so they look after my like salt um they look after me with the compression pads you know with the norma takes i can go into the sauna in there i can i can kind of relax my muscles a little bit and then alan and back emotion it just gives me a physio whenever i'll be like oh look alan my ankle is a bit sore this is sore this it literally i'm brand new then the following day like i just injury prevention is the best thing really yeah uh, well, you can have your nutrition, you can have all these if you're not training smart. Do you know what I mean? You you have to train smart as well. Like you can't be going pretty much balls to leather, punching ahead of each other for seven days straight. You know, you have your technical classes, you have your hair sparring classes, you have your Dutch style um, K1 classes. So like you're bouncing off everyone in the club and you're learning constantly like, and um yeah it's just nutrition as well like you you need the right food um obviously you can have your cheat meal once a week as well like but um yeah just looking after your health and sleep is very important as well uh you i tend to get at least seven hours of sleep uh, minimum uh so obviously say on the friday or whenever i'm off the following day and i'm not training you know obviously i watch a bit of tv and all that so i get like less sleep but i need that as well for the head really it's mentally draining as well Definitely. Yeah. And what do you do for, to chill out? Like, like your recovery, when you're doing your recovery, you're still like, it's still kind of like training. Like when you're going into salt, you're like, right, I'm getting recovery boots on now. I'm doing a recovery session. But what do you yeah. do to actually just totally just chill out? Like, uh, chill out. What do I do really? Uh, I'd go for a walk with, with the missus now and the dog just to kind of like clear the head a little bit and just kind of breathe some fresh air. Or I'd, I'd have a, a game or FIFA or whatever on the PlayStation. I, I, I don't play it as much because I just don't have time. 
And the other time, to be honest, I literally just sit on the bed, watch a bit of TV or scroll on my phone or something just to kind of go into that kind of zone just to like not worry about training or work or anything, just to relax. And yeah, that's probably it. Like I, I don't have a lot of fucking free time on my hands really because I'm constantly like coaching or training or I'm working. So that's that's the life of an athlete really, like I suppose. It and is definitely, people, yeah. The thing is like people think, oh, you're a professional fighter. You think you're making a lot of money. You're not. Unless you're like signed to like the UFC or these massive, massive promotions and you have like a seven, eight, nine and all record and then you're making the big bucks, then yeah, fair enough. But until then, you're going to have to have your part-time job. You're going to have to even a full-time job and do your training and try and pay the rents and the bills and this and the other. They all add up, like, do you know what I mean? So not like, yeah, so many people think, oh, you're a pro, you must be making millions and thousands and you're not. No, no, you're not. You don't get into MMA for money. <laughs> you do not. No, no literally, no way. the first, well, I'm doing now MMA for seven years. Six, yeah, just going seven years. You don't see me driving around brand new Mercs and everything because, you know, you just don't make the money at the start. You have, you to, have to pretty oddy, is it? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm happy with my- <laughs> <laughs> And if you, like, um, if you don't mind, how much... Do you get paid or do you like the saying the amateur, even I know some some amateurs get paid or they get like subsidized for a hotel or for travel or whatever. Um, yeah. Like what's what is the money like? I think I'm, I'd be interested to know and I'm sure people would as well. Uh, well, I'm going to be straight up with you. Like because because we're starting off as a pro rankings, you're obviously going to it's enough money to cover your medicals and say your travel expenses going up and down and just to cover your camp. Uh, as an amateur, you'll be lucky enough to get your your uh, medicals paid for because you don't get paid as an amateur, you know. The, uh, if you're flying abroad and you're good enough, they'll pay for your flights and accommodation. But that's about it, really. Like, um, So, yeah, at the start of your pro career, you're not going to make a lot of money. Because like, all of that money will be going on MRIs, on, on CT scans, because there's so much more to it. Like, you know what I mean? You, before you fight as a pro, you need to have an MRI done. That's 250. You need to have a CT scan. That's 300. That's 550. They're gone. Then you have your bloods every six months. You have your eye tests. You have your your training camp costs. You have your nutrition. You have your meals. Your gym you membership. Gym membership. Do you know what I mean? Your like, food. Exactly. So pretty much, like, unless you have, like, all your sponsored athletes and you're making this, that, that, and the other you'll make some money then. But until then, you're just, just about breaking even and sometimes you're losing money. It's the sad truth, but the the MMA scene in Ireland, you don't get funded. And do you think that's going to change in the next five, ten years? Uh, by the looks of things, it's changed, right? Because, you know, like Ireland was well known for their, for their boxing. But now... You know, now since the McGregor era and he's been in the UFC and everything, he's promoted the sport and he's like, actually, fighters are pocketing more money because of it. Like, you know, um, I think it'll improve drastically. Like, hopefully, who knows? Will I, like the MMA community in Ireland will actually get funded by the government or something, you know? Yeah, it is. It's still, it's still a very grey area in Ireland. It's still very, like, unknown, even though there's, like... There's clubs in every t- nearly town in Ireland now, yeah. but it still is very, um, 
misunderstood, I suppose, by by a lot of people. Um, yeah, like look at the likes of like all these young amateurs, like they're representing Ireland at the at the IMAS. At, so it's like the MMA Olympics. Do you know what I mean? Like that's what the IMAS really are. Like is this the best athletes from each country trying to win that that medal of being a world amateur champion? That's huge. Like do you know what I mean? So you see you see the likes of, for example, Ger Harris. Do you know what I mean? Like. Um, a gold medalist at the IMAFs. You see Tre- uh, Trevor McKengo, gold medalist as well. Like, and these all these boys, like, this, you know what I mean? You're self-funding yourself, like trying to make it, because uh, you just don't get any funding unless you're into football, soccer, or hurling. Like, yeah, it's it's crazy. But um, dude, in um, what was going to say in the future, do you think? Do you think it's going to change with more like um, more professionals coming in? Do you think like how many professionals would be in Ireland at the moment? Like the MMA fighters. There is there is a quite few professionals. Like you know, there's there's a lot of professionals actually in Ireland. It's just the connect area is very grey. Like they wouldn't be. I'd say top of my head, I could count maybe seven professionals in the connect area. Do you know what I mean? So that's putting maybe eight nine counties, or even just the west of Ireland, like. You, you, I can top of my head. I can count eight max professionals. Like, but the rest of them, they all based either in Dublin and Belfast, and they're successful. Like, so you are gonna go places, you know. And where are you going <laughs> in the next five, ten years? Uh well, I kind of plan my goals. The way I plan my goals, it's each year. I plan my goal. Where do I want to be this year? This year? This year? So, I'll be in Ireland. But by, by just this year, and then from January, I'm moving to the UK. Uh, I'm moving to the UK. I just have more opportunities up there, and I want to kind of progress my career and just take the next step. Um, but I see myself 100% in the UFC in the next two years, 100%. Like, I'm 3-0 and right now, three finishes. I'm looking to probably fight again uh, once or even twice by the end of this year, uh, depending on whatever shows I, I get, really. I have to talk to Paul, my manager, but um, yeah, that, that's my goal. I'd say every young kids, oh, I want to be in the UFC. But you just, there's so much more to it. Like you have to actually train your ass off to get there. Like, and yeah. you have to. There's like 50 fights before you even think it, before you even knock on the door. Like, pretty much be, be, between amateur and pro, you'll have at least over 30 fights, like, before you can actually say, okay, I will make it there. Like, you know? So, yeah. And um, do you do you have a plan for moving to England, or is it like do you have a team set up, or yeah, so still kind of um, in the works? yeah, so like we're uh, we kind of set this in stone, like at the start of this year, we were like, look, this pandemic has just been delayed, and this and that and the other, because we we're gonna move earlier. But uh, I train like I went to a training camp over in Aspire in Liverpool, and I've been training with Dean Garnett and Aaron and Phil and all the boys up there, and they're just so welcoming, coming, going up and training with them. So uh, yeah, by January, January or even late late January, I'll be in Liverpool training with the lads up there, and it's just I need to pro- I need to kind of like I need to progress my career. Do you know what I mean? I need to get out of here and just focus on on my career of driving forward and going for my goals because look if i if i if i don't do it now when am i going to do it you know i'm 24 years of age now is the time to do it do you know 
So. You're just cutting out there. I can't really hear you, bro. No, I can't hear you. Okay, we're back. Sorry, microphone went dead there. Um, I was just saying from um, from a standpoint of like go getting to fights, like usually fight in England or you fight in Scotland, um, you fight in Belfast. So like even just getting to the fights from the west of Ireland, like it's, a, it's actually a long trip to Dublin. That's the longest part of the trip, I always say, either yeah. Galway, Dublin or Dublin to Galway on the bus or driving. That's the longest yeah. part. So if you, if you have a fight and then you're cutting weight and you have to go and get a two-hour bus and then a two-hour flight and then you're like wrecked by the time you get you get anywhere. So like if instead if you can just go, right, my fight is in London or whatever or Edinburgh and then you can just get the train. It's just so much easier for you as well. It just takes that stress of traveling away. Yeah, yeah, it does. But the thing is like, as, like amateur you get away with it do you know what I mean because we were like doing um, it, like amateurs like I said you'll get away with it because you're amateurs really but as a pro you'd go you tend to go like say the day or two days before your fight but no actually before you're weighing sorry so just you kind of like de-stress your body so you're not jet lagged you're not like you know because you're a professional you need to make weight regardless do you know what I mean when you sign that contract saying look I'm fine at 77 for example I have this amount of time to make weight, you can't like you have to make weight, like because it's just unprofessional. If he's if if your opponent is making the weight, it's your job to make it as well. So the the traveling part, I don't really mind. I love driving, like I don't mind driving. Um, and every fight I go to, I, I I tend to drive, say the night or the day before my weigh-in, make my weight, relax, then you know, chillax and just go in there then and have fun because all the hard training is done. You know, the hardest part is making weight. And then afterwards, it's just going there and show the world what you actually learned and in training and put it to work. And from like, um, so you find that making the weight is actually the hardest part of the fight. Hardest part of the fight is not actually the fight. <laughs> no, because you're, you're putting all the hard work in training already. Like, so you're ready for whatever it's in there. Like, you know what I mean? You're, you're working, you're wrestling, you're working your jits, you're working your striking, your glinch work. So like once you get like that's the hardest part you can't learn anything more than you have already learned and you know leading up to the camp then the last week you're just pretty much like cutting your carbs you're trying to make the weight you're water loading you're do you know what i mean you're just like pretty much like a prune for the whole week trying to make the weight and then when you're inside a cage you're there you'll be like right let me show the world what i learned and let me put it to use and making weight have you ever have you ever missed weight have you ever I know you no. were actually you were actually heavier, like fighting at a heavier weight. Yeah, you yeah. Started first. Yeah, I fought uh, my first. What was it? My first three, three or four amateur fights. I fought a middleweight, eighty-four kilos, or one hundred eighty-five pounds. And then I I just seen the lads like because I was always walk around 86, 87 kilos, and I seen guys that were just like literally like they'd weigh in at eighty-four kilos. But then they'll put back on and they will walk around like 95, 96. Like you'll put on about 10, 11 kilos afterwards. So I was just there making the weight without any cutting or anything. And I'd be still like, you know, I'd be just tiny inside a cage of middleweight. So then I started cutting down. I like, I worked on my nutrition. Aaron Burke was helping me a lot. 
and uh, I managed to come down to 77, so 170 pounds. So I just feel I'm absolutely massive and I feel so good at 77. I still like, you know, I have my power, I have my athleticism, I have my, you know, my core strength. So, but making the weight, like, I don't tend to cut a lot because I walk, I, I'm like, I'm always in camp, I sh should I say, I'm always ready. Do you know what I mean? So max I cut maybe is like six, six, seven kilos within those 12 weeks. Um, and do you plan on going down further? So your 77 kilos is what you fight at at the moment. Yeah. But uh, there was a rumor, I think, before of you going down to um, lightweight. Lightweight. Yeah, well, we, we had our talk now. Um, we kind of planned a few stuff and all. So we're thinking we'll be fine maybe one fight at 74 kilos or 73 kilos. So that'll be super lightweight, like catchweight. So see how I feel at that. And then... The end goal is probably I will try half to fire 70 kilos, like like lightweight. But I don't want to like jump ship, should I say, too fast before I actually know how I feel at different weights. Because I don't want to be like, you know, losing my power or uh, like I'm not worried about losing my skill because the skill is always going to be there and it'll get better. But I don't want to like feel drained and just not be myself inside the cage, you know, because you don't have a lot of recover. Yeah. Because like you, you do hold a lot of muscle mass, and then yeah. when you when you drop down, you you could possibly lose some of that muscle mass and some of that yeah. strength as well. Um, but then it's a it there's a trade off there. There's always a, always a trade off. Um, That's true. Yeah. When you're cutting weight. Um, so do you want to? Uh, actually, we have a game first, and then maybe we can give a, a little shout out to all your sponsors then as well. Um, yeah. And coaches as well, because we. We didn't even mention, we, I know we mentioned Shaolin, but we didn't mention like um, Indra or Ben. We need to mention them as well. Because <laughs> yeah. the two of us yeah. wouldn't be sitting here talking without them. Yeah. So let's do a little game so first. It's just a little quick fire questions, okay? It's like this okay. or that. Um, okay. So there's 10. There's actually 11 because I added one in at the end. Um, All right. I thought about it. So start off nice and easy, okay? And you just answer them as fast as you can. Um Okay, so cats or dogs? Dogs. Judo or jiu-jitsu? Judo. Ireland or Romania? Romania. Ooh. Uh, knockout or submission? Uh, knockout. Aldi or Lidl? Aldi. Come on, man. I'll say Lidl because they'll kill me if I get to work. <laughs> I was just trying to catch you out. Uh, favorite submission? Uh, Kimura. Ooh. Thought you go down there, but uh, least favorite submission. Leg locks, hate them. Yeah. <laughs> um, favorite meal. Kebab. Kebab. <laughs> um, cardio or weights. Uh, weights. Tea or coffee. Coffee all day long. And shave or wax. Shave. Wax. <laughs> bitch, I hate wax. <laughs> too much. Yeah, and we all know from the last, um, from your last fight, you actually do shave your chest and legs. So, is that for? Um, <laughs> I for I don't know. Is that for the aesthetics, or is it actually like uh, is there method behind it? Like you can slip out of uh, submissions and the like. No, believe it or not, you know what it is. <laughs> trying, trying to lose those extra few grams <laughs> off me. <laughs> Then one, I tried to burn those extra grams off me. Uh, no, just like kind of like 
I, I worked so hard to like get to, you know, to look good and make weight and all that. So might as well just show it off, obviously. Like look at my muscles and all, do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's more mentally for me than anything else. Like, and I get a lot of slagging for it, but hey, that's me. You either hate me or love me. So, <laughs> so uh, if you look good, you can't give over. <laughs> yeah. And um, this way, good. <laughs> um, so do you want to give a shout out to your sponsors? Um, I know you have a good few sponsors and it makes your life a lot easier as well. So yeah. 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 So I big shout out to salt flow recovery. Um, they look after all my recovery parts, like say Norma tech, uh, sauna, salt, like I'm floating. I have a back. What is it? The flow tank as well. I went into them yeah, a few weeks tank, ago. Yeah. It's brilliant. Amazing. Like, it is. Uh, I have back in motion. Alan Daly looks after all my physio. I have intercars and Gali Autos. So they look after all my car needs because I'm traveling a lot. Like I'm always in Belfast, Dublin, you name it. I'm driving a lot. Like I have Alan, Alan Galway. They, um, I love their AC bowls and their coffees and all that. So they help me big time as well. Uh, print on Galway as well. The girls are always getting all my uh, Diane. She's getting all my fight gear ready all the time. All my logos, my my fight gear, my my gloves, everything. What I need, I have Jack and Jones. They they need. I need to look slick after fights, and they give me all my all my um, nice little shirts and everything. Uh, I have Headmasters Galway now. They just got on board. They're looking after all my haircuts, Trevor. And now, at least but not least, I have Galway City Gym. They've been with me since my amateur career, since I started. I, that's where I'm doing all my strength conditioning training in there. They have their sauna there as well. Everyone's just so friendly. And yeah, just big shout out as well to Team Athen Roy, Ben Clayton. I've been working on my judo an awful lot, and that's where I started my career with. And Shaolin Galway, you can't forget Ben. Um, ben has been looking after me since my amateur days. And yeah, big shout out to everyone and and just friends and family that have been stuck through me, you know, since the amateur days. And the missus pulling up with me, Ogna, big shout out to her as well. Uh, yeah, she's been just brilliant, like prepping my meals for me, like having them ready as when I'm coming home. Do you know what I mean? And just like getting my ass off and just go training or even, do you know what I mean? It's just it's a big help. Big time, yeah. <laughs> you had a lot of help there. But if anyone else wants to. For hatting and and sponsor you, I'm sure it'll be welcomed. <laughs> and I'll put the sponsors as well in the show notes as well, so you can check out and um, check out the sponsors, and I'll give them a shout out. Um, and thanks a million for coming on. And um, again, thanks everyone for listening. And um, you'll see in the notes if you need any personal training or coaching, you can get on to me, and I'll put a link to my website below. And also, if you've been enjoying the podcast. Uh, you can follow the link and buy me and Andreas a coffee if you'd like that just follow the link below buymeacoffee.com and uh, it'd be much appreciated um, so thanks a million for coming on and uh, this podcast will be out in the coming days perfect thank you very much Sean, for having me on